have you ever seen a decision that you really disagreed with in your life? Have you just ever seen somebody make a decision that you're like, I, I do not agree with that decision, right? Like some people, are like, uh, you look at their clothes, like I do not agree with that decision, okay? But what happens is, is the reason like we deal with this is because deep down, we believe like the reason that someone makes the decision that they do is because there's something going on in their heart. That there, there's something, that there's some reason that they're not being totally honest, they're not being totally realistic or real with us. And so we, we've dealt with people in our lives that their hearts and their motives aren't really pure. That there's this kind of area of their life or their heart that has been hardened. And so we have a hard time trusting people. And so you might even not so much disagree with the reason or, or why a decision was made, but you think, oh man, there's something going on in their heart. There's something wrong in their life. And so we're familiar with this because we've been the recipients of this issue of the heart. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is this idea that God sees our hearts. That God really sees what's going on in our lives and in our hearts. Not just what we put on on the outside. Not just the way that we make sure everything looks okay and everyone looks good. And, and the, the perception that we are giving out is everything's all right. That God really sees our heart. And what can happen in a message like this is we start to look at and go, yeah, God sees all those other people's hearts. God sees all those people in this world and he sees exactly how they're doing. But today... I want us to actually look at our own hearts. I want us to look at what's actually going on in our own lives and how we are moving forward in, in, in the motivations that we have within our own lives because I think when we really look deep down inside at our own lives and our own hearts, I believe that we will be more merciful and gracious with other people because we realize we're all in the same boat. We all have part of our lives that isn't going so great. That part of our heart, part of, part of our decision-making and our motivations and our desires that isn't doing so well. In fact, this week as I was preparing for the message, I was looking up stories of these incredibly fit athletes who were doing amazing things, but somehow their heart was sick and they died. Because everything looked okay, everything seemed to be okay in their life, but deep down what was going on at the center of who they were, things were not okay. And I found a couple stories, but then this news article popped up uh, last week that really rang true to, I think, what we're going to be talking about today. Has anyone in here ever heard of a business called Gravity Payments? No? Okay, we are about to. Um, I'm not going to mention the CEO's name because I'm not here to trash people, but what happened at this company over the past two weeks is really remarkable. The CEO of this company was referred to as maybe the only moral CEO in the world. About uh, 10 years ago, this CEO, he was making $1.1 million, and he realized that many of the people and his employees were not living at a standard that they needed to in the city that they were in. And so what the CEO did is he dropped his $1.1 million salary down to $70,000 so that he can bring every single one of his employees up to $70,000 in pay. So he lowered his pay so that his employees, everyone was paid equally. Everyone made 70 grand. And he was heralded in the world as this moral 
person, that he, he was this moral guy who, who was doing these amazing things and the world was looking at him going, man, is there anybody else like this guy? Well, last, well, two weeks ago, this man had to step down from his company because he's been abused, uh, accused of abuse, sexual abuse, moral abuse, verbal abuse, that he has been shifting people and doing all of these things. And, and two weeks ago, he had to step down from his business. And so what we realize is, is what looked like this incredible person on the outside who was lowering their salary to make sure that the, the people that they were around, the people that were working for him could get paid. Like that part of his heart was living and good. But there's something deep down that wasn't so great. There's a part of his life that no matter how good it looked on the outside, things were hard and not living and dark in his heart. You see, I want us to see today that God sees your heart. And he not only sees your heart, but he wants you to have a living, thriving, breathing, beating heart in your life. Because the heart in the Bible is, is heralded so many times as so important for you and I in our experience. The heart is what I would call your desire factory, right? It's, it's the place where your intentions, your desires, your wants, all of these things kind of reside in what the Bible calls your heart. And the reality is, is if, if our heart is not doing well, if we're kind of like the CEO where, hey, part of our life is doing well, but part of it is not, we can walk into some disasters in our life. And so tonight or this morning, we're going to be going through this idea of, that God really sees our hearts, but he also wants you to have an incredible heart. And the very first point of this today starts here. I want you to all to understand one thing is so important, that God values your heart. God values your heart. God values who you are and sees what is going on. And in fact, God came to rescue your heart. This is the verse that we started off with, the series with, and I want you to hear it again. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we talked about this idea that people, because of your outward appearance, might not see God's call in your life. They, they might not be able to discern what is going on in your life and the call that God has put on you. But the reality is too, a lot of us in here know how to walk in here and play church, but things inside our heart are not going so great. And what the Bible says is like, hey, you might look like you're, everything is good and church is good. And I don't even know what looking like a church person is. Like, honestly, I don't even know what that looks like. I think as long as you got clothes on and you're pretty well decently covered up, we're good. Right? I don't even care if you have shoes on. You can run around here barefoot. I don't care. I wouldn't do that, but you could do that. But I don't know what a church person looks like. I don't. But the reality is, is we, we use this outward appearance or the things that people do as this like, oh, well, that's obviously who they are. And God says, no, I don't look at the outside. I see your heart. I see what is going on in our lives. And this is what I would say how to think about this. God, that God looks at our thoughts, 
our emotions, and our intentions. The Lord alone has the ability to see our hearts. Here's an example. If you got a Boy Scout, anyone in here like Boy or Girl Scout? Okay, we got a problem in our society. I got kicked out of the Boy Scouts because uh, uh, the first camping trip I went on, I cut down so many trees uh, that they were like, this might not be the thing for you. And I was like, was there like a lumberjack group that I could join? Because I like this. And so we get in there and, and, you know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, they earn these things. They have this like sash on their body that, that has all these patches. And those patches are like, this is to tell the world I did something good. Like, look. I made something, I, you know, I whittled a car here, you know, and that's what goes on. And there's like this service right badge, right? And so it's like, you got to find somebody to serve. It's like, okay, I'll find somebody to serve. And so there's this little old lady and she's standing there and she needs to cross the street. And so this Boy Scout walks over and he's like, man, can I help you cross the street? And she's like, you're such a kind and nice young man. And he's like, I, thank you. I know. Okay. And so he helps her across the street and you're like, that's a good thing. But is it a purely good thing if the reason he did it wasn't really to help her but to help him? This is what the Bible's telling us. The Bible says, like, on the outside, that looks incredible, but God's not looking on the outside. God sees the inside. And is it okay that you got a badge for helping people? Yeah, but was your motivation to help the person or to get the badge? And for so many of us, like, that's how we operate in this world. Like, we know exactly what we want to project into the world. From the clothes that we wear, from our haircut, from the things that we say, the things that we post on Instagram. Like, you know, I know you're on family vacation and you've been at Disney and you just got done yelling at your kids and the kids' eyes just became unread because you all are freaking out because it is not the happiest place on earth, right? Because you just spent 10 grand to get here and we're gonna have a good time, right? And then, but you show that picture of the kid on the ride like, oh, and you're like, oh, this is a, Blessed life. And it's like, I know what happened 10 minutes before that. I know. So let me just ask all of us sitting here, what mask are you wearing? What clothes did you put on to come in here today? And I don't mean like, oh, I got my Louis Vuitton. and I don't care about that. I mean like, what facade did you put on walking in here today? Because there's one person you're not fooling. The Lord. He sees your heart. He sees what is going on in our lives. And the heart in the Bible is so important because here's the reality of your heart. Your heart is who you really are. Your heart is who you really are, right? Like, this is who I am, right? Like, has anyone ever gone out to a fancy dinner and you got all, like, nice? You got cologne, you got the skinny jeans on, you got the nice shirt on, and you go and have this incredible meal. You eat way too much food, and you're about to, like, blow up, and you get home, and you take off your pants. You take out, and you're like, oh, I'm free. This is who I am. I'm just sweats. That's who I am, right? Like, this is what I want. I should have just ordered in, but the reality is, is, like, for so many of us, you have to understand like when no one's looking, when you're alone with your thoughts, when you're alone in your life, that's who you are. That's who you are. And the Bible is very concerned with this idea because the Bible really wants us to thrive. Because let me just tell you something. Faking it is exhausting. Faking it is exhausting. Could we be the kind of church where you don't have to be okay to be here? Could we be the kind of church that your life's a little bit messy and that's completely okay? 
That you can walk in and say to us and look at us and say, you know what? Like, I'm not okay today. I barely made it here. I was screaming at my kids in the car. My wife and I drove in separate cars because we couldn't ride together. I I could barely make it in here. Because can I just say something? As people, me included, we're all a little messed up. There's parts of all of our hearts that are hard. There's parts of all of our hearts that aren't beating right now. There's parts of our spiritual life that aren't working okay. Some of you, the most of the Bible that you read is for the posts you can make. And I, I, Can we just be honest about that and be like, you know what? I didn't even read that verse. It's just you version's verse of the day. And so I just, I want to make sure that everyone thinks I'm doing okay. And it's like, nah, just don't post it. In fact, this week I, I was, uh, Kelsey and I, we didn't have the kids uh, Friday and Saturday. We had an early wedding on Saturday. So the kids went and did family movie night with their grandparents and they stayed the night. And so Kelsey and I are like, party, let's go, <laughs> right? So we went out to dinner. We, we had a great time. And we're getting old because we were like, what do you want to do after dinner? And I was like, you want to go walk around the mall? And she's like, yeah, let's do it, right? And we just walked around UTC. And and we were like reminiscing, holding hands and be like, remember when this was the cool thing to do? You know, Friday night, where you at? I'm at the mall walking around. What are you doing? Just walking around the mall because I'm bored. But here's the deal. Like we were walking around the mall. We started seeing all these people that we knew. And I was like, you know, sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's not like you know, you, you do it too. Don't, don't lie. You walk in the grocery store, you see that person, you're like, oh, I got to go to the frozen food section right now. And they walk by and you're like, open in the do- both doors. I don't, mm. Peeking out your eye, they gone? Okay, they gone. I'm going away, right? I know you, pastors do it too. We're like, not today, all right? So here's the deal. So we walk into this store um, and, you know, we're looking around and I, I turn the corner and one of the, the ladies that was working there, um, I, I recognized her. I'm not going to use her name, but, uh, so I, but we hadn't seen each other since we were in elementary school. And so she looked at me, and I looked at her, and we were both like, mm-hmm. and I was like, is it, are you? And I said her name, and she's like, are you? And I was like, I am. And she's like, oh, my goodness, how are you? And I was like, I, I'm good. Life is good. Like, things are going well. Things are, are pretty okay. And I was like, how are you? As soon as I asked that question, her face changed. And she worked in this store, and she, uh, she looked at me, and she said, honestly, life is terrible. And I was like, really, what's, what's going on? And she said, my mom had brain cancer, and she died four months ago. And then, like six months before that, I lost my grandma. And honestly, I'm really mad at God. And I was like, oh, you know I'm a pastor. And she says, yeah, that's why I told you I'm mad at God. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks, God. Thanks for, hey, all right, I just want to walk around the mall. No, but I looked at her and I said, that's really understandable. She's like, why, why, would, why would that happen to my mom? And I was like, you know, Can I be honest with you? It's really understandable that you're upset. It's really understandable that this is really hard and you're angry right now. And I thought that that was probably one of the most refreshing conversations I've had in a really long time in my life. 
Because the question wasn't, oh, I haven't seen this guy since elementary school. Let me just make sure that, that he, like, I'm good. It was honest and, and, and raw and real. And I said, like, I'm sorry about that. Can I just tell you something? Um, I really promise you I'll be praying for you. Like, I promise that. And she goes, I know. I watch your stuff online. And it's so inspiring. And then that night, we, Kelsey and I got home. We were watching Top Gun. And I got a message. And it was from her. She found me on Instagram, messaged me, and she said, hey, I just wanted to tell you something. Um, I was just talking to a coworker in the back, of the, like, back room. And we were talking about how I've been having such a hard time and the right people show up at the right time. And she said, you showed up today at the right time. And I just wrote back, I said, well, God sees you. He sees you right now, he sees you. And um, then she wrote back and she said, I'm, I need to come attend a service sometime. And I said, anytime you're available, come on. And I, I just wanna tell you, like, I don't think now about, man, that was really messed up. Why would she unload that kind of baggage on me? And if you're watching right now, thank you for being so honest. It was one of the most encouraging parts of my week. Because the reality is, is, is for a moment, she allowed us to see like into her soul. And you know what? It was okay that she wasn't okay. It was okay that she's angry with God and that she's disappointed and worried and angry. And I just wonder, like, could we be the kind of church where you can walk in here and you can say, you know what? Actually, I barely made it today and I'm not okay. Guys, let me tell you, like, my life is not perfect. I am not a perfect person. And your bad news doesn't make me happy and it doesn't make me judge you. Because I got my own bad news. I got my own things that I'm working on. I got my own parts of my heart that are hardened. I got, I, that, that part of my life is real. And the only way I think that we're going to get through this is by the power of God with each other. And that's like one of the reasons we're starting all these small groups in the fall. Because we want you to really get to know a small group of people that you can open up to. That you can be like, you know what, this week was awful. My heart is hurting because God knows how important your heart is. In fact, the Bible mentions the word heart 570 times. 570 times in this book, God mentions the heart of humanity and the heart of God. You know how many times he mentions his second coming? Four? Five? What do you think God is really focused in on? When he's going to come back or how your heart is? He's coming back. You and I need to know. Like, he's coming back. But the reality is, is God's going, I don't want you just looking for when I'm coming back. I want you to thrive right now. I want to heal your heart right now. I want a little bit of heaven to touch earth in your heart right now. Because here's the reality, the, the, the way that we live and who we truly are is the heart. Proverbs 27, verse 19, as water reflects the face, so one life, it reflects the heart. He says, you want to know where your heart is? What is your life reflecting? What, like, it's just like a mirror, like how you live and not just like how you live out here perceptionally, how you really live. 
is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 to 35, Jesus is talking to this group of people, and look at what happens. You, he looks at them and goes, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You're angry all the time. You, you talk down to people all the time. You, you, you curse out your family. It's, your heart's full of it. And the reality is, is you're really good at buttoning down the hatches out in public, but when you get home, you let loose because you trust those people the most that they'll forgive you the quickest. Don't abuse the people who are going to love you the most. As a man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in him. God says, check your heart. What's going on? Or how about this? God sees and weighs the heart. Proverbs 21, verses 2 to 3, a person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart, not just the ways. See, a lot of us, like this is what Abraham did last week, right? Good intention, terrible delivery, right? Like, I'm going to have a son. Okay, when this isn't happening, we're having fertility issues. All right, well, let's try Hagar. Good intentions, wrong delivery, right? But, but the reality is, is what's going on in the heart? Abraham's trying to move God's promise quicker than God was bringing it. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than a sacrifice. Here's what that means. To believe in your heart and do what is right here is more important than a sacrifice that you give to God. In fact, there are times in the Bible where God rejects the sacrifices of the people because their heart isn't in the right place. Your heart matters. And here's what the Bible encourages us with with our heart. Let me ask you how you're doing. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's why this is, we call this your desire factory. Everything that you do in your life, according to the Bible says, it flows directly out of your heart. And what you feed your heart and, and how you think in your life, it, it leaks. It will leak out into your life. And so let me just say this. The fact that God values your heart but tells us that where your heart is, what your heart is believing is who you really are, that can be a good or a bad thing. For some of us, like God saw Abraham and goes, man, I see what you're trying to do. Terrible delivery. I promise you I'm going to do this in a different way. But for some of us, it's like you got all the right things going on in your life and all the wrong things going on inside. And God says, like, hey, look, like, here's what's going on with you. Like, you are dying. Part of your heart is so hard in your life. Like, it's not operating the way that it should in your life. And, like, I'm not as much concerned about what's going on on the outside because it all stems here. Let's not just treat the symptom. Let's treat what's going on. This is why Jesus tells us, look, look, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother or sister, you've already murdered them. Jesus is saying it's not about exactly what happens, but about what goes on in here. And so let me ask you, how's your heart? God sees your heart. And for some of us, this is really good news. God sees my heart. Thank goodness, because I'm a mess outside. Like, I, I barely made it in here. I just wanted to be here, so I fought through to get here. And God didn't say, well, where's your church clothes, man? Come on, get your church clothes on. Look good. 
God says, I, mm, that's not what I'm looking at. Your heart is good. I see your heart. But then on the other side, for some of us, is we got all that church clothes on. We got all them things on. But things on the inside aren't so good. You took a big gulp. Uh-oh. But here's what happens in this life. Let me ask you a question. Is your heart beating? Spiritually. I mean, if your heart's not beating right now, we've got a bigger problem. <laughs> like, if we're in this room and you're like, my heart is not beating. I'm like, um, security? Uh, <laughs> let's get them out of here. Because you know what? If your heart's not beating, what's going to happen? If your heart isn't spiritually beating, what's going to happen? Why are we so concerned about our physical heart and not our spiritual heart? How many of us, your body's doing great, your soul is being crushed? You got all the money, time, cars. You got the perfect looking family and you're not happy. Why? God's more concerned with your soul and with your heart than the things that you have. Let me just tell you something, church. You never see a U-Haul follow a hearse. You don't. The Egyptians got it wrong. You're not taking it with you. How's your heart? Is it beating? Mark chapter 8, verses 17 to 19. Aware of their discussion, Jesus said to them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Jesus just had a super spiritual conversation, super heart-based conversation. He says, why? Why are you talking about not having any bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are you spiritually blind? Are your hearts hardened? Are your hearts not beating? Are your hearts not working properly? Is that what is going on in your life? Do you have eyes but fail to see, ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember... When I broke the five, the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full or pieces did you pick up? Do you know who Jesus is talking to here? The disciples. The dudes are going to carry on the mission of the church. And he looks at them, he says, what, you, don't, what, you don't get this? You're talking about bread. I'm talking about the bread of life. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about what's going on. And have you hardened your heart with the concerns of the world so much that you can't hear my voice anymore, that you don't remember my goodness anymore, that you don't remember my provision anymore? Feeding 5,000 people is easy, but getting your heart to wake up is hard. Think about that. Jesus goes, I fed five, over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Easy. Getting your heart to wake up, man. We got some work to do because Jesus is not so considerate of what's going on on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. A hard heart cannot do what it's meant to do. Can't be. In fact, we have a physical term for this. It's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Hypertrophic, hyper, let's just call it HCM. I'm gonna, let's just make it easy. HCM. Okay? Here's what HCM does. HCM will thicken the wall of one of your, your chambers in your heart, and that muscle will thicken so much that it causes a stiffening or hardening of the heart, physically. This is a big deal because when the muscles can't contract the way that they need to, when the heart is hardened, it cannot send blood around the body. And people with this can die. It can be a real problem. You know what else is crazy is there's not always, there are sometimes, but not always physical symptoms of it. 
I mean fatigue and things like that. But this is a genetic thing, that there's a genetic predisposition to this disease. But here's the reality. They're finding out now in research that there are things that can contribute to the acceleration of this disease in people. They're doing a lot of research on the purposes of anxiety and fear and how those can begin to affect and accelerate cardiomyopathy, the hardening of the heart. And what happens is, is because, like, think about it. When you're scared, what happens? Your ticker goes up a notch, right? You're exercising, you're moving, you're stressing that muscle and that heart. And what do we do when we stress muscles and things go on in our life? We, we build more. And so for people, like, of what's going on, like, if you have a normal heart, which is working okay, that's great. Exercise your heart. Like, make it stronger. Do all of these things. And people with cardiomyopathy have to go through different types of exercises and things like this. But what happens is, is that chamber, that area where that muscle is thickening, it's actually stiffening and hardening and that hard heart will lead to death how many of us have spiritual cardiomyopathy our heart is hardening our heart is is moving away from the lord because i think there's really five things that cause us to do this and you know there may be a genetic predisposition to cardiomyopathy but there's also a spiritual predisposition to the hardening of our hearts. Spiritually, we are predispositioned to sin, to move our hearts towards a hardening towards God. Here's five things that I really think cause us to harden our hearts. The first is disappointments. Anyone here ever been disappointed? Right? A, a relationship didn't work out the way that you thought it would. Your friend borrowed money and never paid you back. Your boss said you'd get the raise and you never did. The teacher didn't show up and teach the way that they should. Your spouse is not following through on their vows. You have these past relationship hurts. Your church, you thought that they'd be there for you. You thought that they would take care of you and they didn't. Maybe your parents didn't parent you the way that you thought you should be. And as you're getting older, you're realizing the worse and worse job that they did. So your heart is hardening towards them. See, because the reason that you and I harden our hearts is to protect them. I'm disappointed, so I'm going to shut off part of my heart towards this. I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to feel this pain. I want to feel this disappointment. And you know what? So I'm going to shut off. So you know what? I can never be disappointed again. And so you shut yourself off from relationships, from your spouse, from your kids, from your employer, from God. Because you go, you know what? I just don't want to feel that hurt again, so I'm going to harden my heart again. And so you shut your heart down. Or what about this? Like, not only have you been disappointed, but how many of us, like, you've just had so much emotional pain in your life that you just decided a long time ago, instead of having any kind of emotion, I'm just going to shut all emotion down because I don't want to feel the pain anymore. The way that people spoke to me, the, the things that happened in my life, but you know what? If you shut your heart down emotionally, you're crushing your soul. And let me just tell you something. It's a nasty trade-off because the reality is, yeah, you may not be able to feel the bad things, but you also won't be able to celebrate the good things. 
Do you see how you're dying? Because if you can't experience the good things, you're not living. So you shut your heart down. You harden your heart a little bit. You begin to make these decisions that I'm not going to expose myself in this way. What about guilt? First Timothy chapter 4, look at what the Bible says. The Spirit clearly says in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Here's what the Bible's saying there. Their hearts have been hardened and seared because of the guilt of what is going on because they know what they're teaching is false. They're intentionally hypocritical liars. And how many of you know, like when you're a hypocrite and you're putting something out there that's not really true, you feel guilty and you have to harden your heart to that so you don't feel it anymore. Sin. How about this? How about we all have an Achilles heel? Everybody in here has something that that you always get caught on. I know it. And your prayer goes like this. I'm sorry I did that. I'll never do that again. Then 10 minutes later, you're like, I'm back. Sorry I did that. I'll never do that again. And then two hours later, you're like, hey, it's me again. I am really sorry this time. And I really promise I'll do it again. I'll never do it again. (laughs) And God, I think, laughs from heaven. Because he says, you could not kill your sin in the first place. Why do you think you can kill it now? You don't need to impress me spiritually. I'm your father in heaven, and I am here to rescue you, not for you to show me how great you are. And so because we keep disappointing ourselves, we keep feeling all of these feelings, we have this emotional hurt, we have this guilt before God, we shut down. And how many of us, the thing that you sin that you participate in a long time ago that wrecked your soul doesn't even touch your heart now? Because you built a callus, you hardened your heart to what God is actually doing. Or what about this? Frustration. It's so simple. You're tired of things not working out. Your kids not behaving. Your spouse not listening. Your husband not taking out the trash. The moment that you ask them to do it, they say later. Later means now to you, right? Like, and so you're just disappointed. You're frustrated. You're angry. And so you know what? You just, I'm shutting this part of my life off. He'll never take out the trash. He'll never shut the cabinets. She'll never my kids will never, you want it, that never, never, never. That's the sign of a hardening heart. You're shutting your heart down. But all of these things are found in one true emotion, fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety cause us to shut off our feelings, shut off all of these things on the basis that we don't know what is going to happen. That's exactly what happened to the disciples in this moment. They had a fear that their physical needs were not going to be met. Where are we going to get bread? So what did they do? They shut down their heart through fear, and Jesus goes, do you have eyes that don't see? Do you have ears and don't hear? You've hardened your heart. Some of us in this room, you're so concerned about the physical in your life, the relationship in your life, like the things that you need, the money that you make, that you've started to harden your heart because of fear, because fear is the opposite of faith. And you go, why don't I feel God anymore? And he's like, because you shut your heart down. You've hardened your heart so much. You've let these things come in and sear your heart. 
And God knows that for you and I, this is such a problem that he decided to do something about it. One of the most incredible stories in the Bible comes out of the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36 and chapter 37. Look at what the Bible says in Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 25. God is talking to Israel who have hardened their hearts by worshiping idols in Babylon. And Ezekiel has all of these images where the throne of God has left Jerusalem and, and, and it is empty and, and these idols are being placed in the, in the spot of where God should sit because in the Bible, the heart is where the throne of God should be in our lives. In our desires, that's the residence of the Holy Spirit where the throne of God sits in our lives. And Ezekiel sees that God has departed because of the idolatry of Israel. And you think, that's bad news, but there's good news. How many of you know with the Bible there's always good news? Here's what the good news is. God says this to Israel. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Let me just make this point very clear. God does not want to change your heart. He wants to give you a new one. So many of us in this room, because of the emotional hurt, because of the frustration, because of the anger, because of the fear in your life, you're asking God to mend your broken heart. And God is looking at you and saying, I don't mend broken hearts, I give new ones. So many of us in this room right now, your heart is hurting. And let me just tell you something it's understandable. It's understandable. We say this with a lot of things in the world. Like when we, when we have counseling, when we, ha- when we hear about people who do certain things, I always say this, that is understandable but unexcusable. Understandable, I get it, but the way that you behaved is unexcusable. I get it. And for us, in this moment, like God is not looking to mend your heart. He's not. He wants to give you a brand new one. A heart that is living, a heart heart that is full, a heart that is thriving and beating, a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. See, all of this points back to this idea that the people of Israel were having such a problem. They were so spiritually hardened and shut down in their relationship with God that their hearts were hard and they were doing unbelievable things. And so God says, look, we're going to have a transplant. I am going to take this heart of stone and I will remove it from you. And in its place, I will put a heart of flesh and I will give you my spirit. I will change everything that is going on in your life. Even the psalmist in Psalm 37 begins to talk about this idea that the Lord would give him the desires of his heart. And we all think it's like, give me what I want. And he's saying, no, Give me the wants. Put your desires in my heart. Give me a new heart. 
is what he's saying, please. And then he says this, and that I may delight in who you are. So here's what a new heart begins to look like for you and I. When, when your wife or your husband isn't doing what they need to do because you have this new heart, you say, I delight in the Lord. When your kids begin to misbehave and not do what you've asked them to do the hundredth time, and then you yell, and they're like, whoa, 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 why are you yelling? And you're like, because I, I don't know how else to get this across. Instead of being hardening your heart and beginning to shut down, the Bible says, I will delight in the Lord. When people come against you, persecute you, we don't shut our hearts down. We delight in the Lord because the Lord gives us the desires of our hearts. So God did not want to fix Israel's heart. He wanted to give Israel a new one. Let me ask you just right now, where in your life do you need a new heart? You, you, you've gone through a lot, I know. I know you're disappointed. I know you're angry. I know you're hurting. I know you're frustrated. I know you're scared. I know. Just like that girl I met. And God goes, I don't want to give you this, this mended, taped-together heart anymore. It's not my job. It's not what I do. I don't take broken things and glue them back together. I make all new things. This is what the Bible means in 1 Corinthians, that in Christ you are a new creation. New. But let me just tell you something. The enemy will remind you of the old. The mirror that the enemy will always put in front of you is not a true reflection. It's a broken mirror of the past. This is who you are. And you're like, no, no, that's not the mirror we look through anymore. But yeah, but see, but see, but see, and your heart begins to hurt again. Let me ask you, church, where does God need to put a new heart in you? Not fix your heart. Some of you have been begging God to fix your heart. Please heal this little thing. God said, no, mm -mm. let's make an exchange. Let's transfer. And then God, as we get ready to end, says this. And many of us know there's songs about it now. This is probably one of the most famous like stories in the Bible. It's the Valley of the Dry Bones. Some of you may be familiar with it. We're going to jump into it. But after God begins to tell Ezekiel about what he's going to do, that Israel will be redeemed, they will be brought back to the land of the promise, that their hearts of stone will be turned into hearts of flesh. The Bible says that Ezekiel is caught up in a vision. And God takes him to a place, Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. Just listen to what the Lord says here. The hand of the Lord was on me. That means God's moving him. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is a spiritual vision. And set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were, the Bible says, very dry. So these things have been dead for a very long time. If we're going to describe your heart, it's in a valley, and it is stone, and it is very dry because you have not been living spiritually for a very long time. And it's understandable. It's very dry. And so what begins to happen is he, he looks at me, and the Lord asks me, Son of man, which is such a connection to the New Testament, which the Son of Man is Jesus' favorite name for himself. 
Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. He goes, this, that's beyond me. That's beyond my pay grade. You brought me up here. I don't know. You alone know. He's admitting God's sovereignty. Then he said to me, prophesy, speak the word, right, to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This isn't Ezekiel's words. This is the words of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. That same word there, breath, is the same word used in Genesis when God breathes life into the nostrils of Adam. The same way I made man out of dust dry bones. I will breathe life into you again. I will give you breath. And so the Bible says this. He says, then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, as I was speaking the word of the Lord, there was a noise. Can anybody hear it in your soul? A rattling? Maybe God's doing it in your heart right now. There's a rattling happening. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, this is the Lord, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four wind sands, breathe into these slain, into these dead and to these hearts of stone or these dry bones, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And you go, that's pretty cool. God's not talking about the physical. God's talking about right here. And he's telling Israel, I'm not here to just resurrect dead bodies. I am here to resurrect dead souls. I am here from what sin and guilt and fear and all of these things has robbed from people in the world. I'm here to bring new life, to call them back to life, to make them live again. And what happens here is that word where he says, here, the same word used to, to hear and obey the Lord. This is what God says. Hear the word of the Lord through Ezekiel. Hear it. And he doesn't mean just, doesn't mean listen. He says, listen and obey. Come to life. Come back to life. Like obey and hear the word of the Lord. And so let me ask you right now, church, what do you need to hear in your heart? Hear and obey the word of the Lord. He wants to take your heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh that you can be alive again. And not only does he want to do that, he wants to give you his spirit who resides in his heart so nothing will be able to turn your heart to stone again. For he is residing as king. And for some of us, there is parts of our lives 
that our hurt is an idol, that our fear is an idol, that our anger is an idol, that our frustration is an idol that sits where God should be sitting in our heart and it is dead. And God is saying today to you, wake up dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I am not here to mend your heart. I'm here to give you a new one. Obey. Obey. Because God is more concerned with your heart and your soul than the way that you look, than the church that you attend. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that we could be made alive again. And God breathes the same word in Genesis. And it's the idea of the Holy Spirit entering our lives. And so what do we need to do? We need to listen and obey. And God will do the resurrecting. Receive and obey the word of the Lord today. And so church, I don't know where you are, but I want to encourage you with one thing. God sees your heart. God sees what's going on right now in your soul. He sees it. And you thought it was bad news. But Ezekiel 36 and 37 say, no, no. He's seen dry bones before. He's seen hearts of stone before. And the good news is he was always willing to come to resurrect people. And so for all of us in this room right now, it's nothing but good news today. Because God sees the valley of dry bones. He sees the heart of stone. And the good thing is, He's really great at making dead things come back to life. 